morning, everybody. Um, I want to say one thing. This was not in my mind until I went from there to here, literally. How many this summer want to get a hold of the unexpected? Can I just say it again? This summer, get a hold of the unexpected. Yesterday, we took Mac and Gabriel. It was Maverick's sixth birthday, and I took him and his best buddy, Gabriel Johnson. That's Pastor, Pastor Brantley Johnson that was up here a second ago. It's his boy. And um, we took him hiking for a little bit. And we're on our way from the campground to the hiking place. And come across the road is the most beautiful paint that you ever saw. This beautiful horse just, just came across the road. And it's like, well, that's not supposed to be. Cars are all pulling around, you know, trying to get away from it, and, 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 and cars are going. And then it comes into the yard of a neighbor, and then it comes down, it's coming down through all these yards, and, and we passed it, you know. And as we passed, literally, this didn't come to my mind until I went from there to here. We passed it, and as we passed it, I just thought, well, that's an adventure. Hey, y'all, you want to catch a horse? And, and being from Ohio, I had the blessed life that my dad moved us into the hood when I was seven years old. But the neighborhood we lived at before was in the country, and those neighbors stayed family friends our whole life to this day. And so every weekend almost, I spent it in, in Hillbillyville. You know what I'm saying? We called it Little Kentucky. It was awesome growing up. And so, so I was around a lot of livestock and stuff. So, yeah, so I learned to rap and deal with horses. No, just kidding, just teasing. But I'm like, Brantley's like do you know what we're doing? <laughs> yeah, I know what we're doing. Let's do it. You know, so we end up turning around, and as we turn around, one other vehicle turned around, and we, we hemmed this thing in with our vehicles up against a bush and in between this one area, and, and then I jumped out, and I go to the horse, and, and we need to get a strap, and so this lady, she brings a strap to us, and we get that around its neck, and then I have another strap I remembered, and so we made a, a bridle out of it, and we got her calmed down. He was really a mess, and he's bucking and moving and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, but we got him calmed down within about half half hour, you could go, come on, come on, and he'd walk with you. It was beautiful, you know, but it was the unexpected. We did not wake up yesterday morning thinking to ourselves, what will we get our hands on today that just might be this fun, but it was, and I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to faith, it's very much the same way. It's very much the same way. We're doing this series called Tales of Ridiculous Faith, and I'm telling you this summer, don't disengage. Don't, don't stay engaged. Get that physical break. Get that physical rest. But stay supernaturally and spiritually engaged because there's some things that are unexpected that are coming your way. And God doesn't want you to miss getting your hands on them. Now listen, some of those things you'll get your hands on like that horse, man, it's going to scare you and it both. I mean, it, this thing was bucking and moving, stepped on Brantley's foot. That was funny. <laughs> Watch out, buddy. They'll do that, you know. And I mean, it was moving. And it, 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 it'll get, it'll, I mean, some of the things you're going to put your hands to maybe this summer, you won't even exactly understand it and know it, you know. And, but you want to, by faith, step out anyhow. So I'm going to do that right now. During worship, and we don't do this very often, but I really sensed all through worship, and I couldn't shake it, there is somebody in this house with arthritis in your hands, and you need healing in your hands right now. Who is that? Who is that? It's you? All right. Who else? Anybody else? Alan? All right. Here's what we're going to do. I, I want, come up here, Alan. Was it you? Do you have arthritis in your hands? Who else? All right, come up here, Evelyn. We're going to pray. I, you know, it's just like that horse yesterday. This is unexpected. I don't know, but it, here's an opportunity. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> and I just believe that the, that the Lord wants to do a miracle in this house today. Amen? And so if there's some people that believe in faith that God can do a work today, is it in your hands as well? All right, praise the Lord. Pray, like I said, this isn't something. How many has been with us 12 years or longer? 
Yes, yes. This is not something we do very often. It might become something we do a little more often. Amen. But I just was sensing we got to grab a hold of this thing, this unexpected blessing. Jesus, right now, you see our friends here today, Lord, Evelyn, God. We just touch her and ask for divine healing to manifest in these hands, Jesus. Lord, for Alan, just do a work. Right now, I pray, Jesus. Lord, God, bring that healing touch in your mighty name. Right now, Father, bring healing, we pray, Jesus, to these hands. And, Lord, God, we look forward to hearing a testimony of victory in these lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, amen. Can you give God praise, amen? Amen. So like that, I don't know what opportunities will come your way this month and this summer. You know, just so often in the summertime, we just kind of disengage. Please don't disengage spiritually. And, and on the back side of that, I wanted to do this just a second. I asked my wife, where's my phone? I lost. I need it. I got to find something here. Two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, we got a text from a fellow that used to be a part of our church. And um, his name's Todd. And here's what his text said. He said, I'm looking for some prayer. I've had multiple doctor appointments over the last few months. Just been referred to an oncologist because current blood work indicates multiple myeloma. And he's just broken. And his wife, Todd and Tina, just broken. And so I, they said they're coming next last Sunday. And so they came last Sunday. And when church was over, I told them, I said, we'll get some people that know you guys. And we'll go into that back room and we'll have prayer for you. You know, you find us as soon as service is over. And we're going to get people that have known you for years and lay hands and believe and pray. And, and we were blessed. Maduka was back there as well. You know, you didn't know that couple from Adam, but you got to be back there as well. And, and long story short, I got this text from him. It says, Doc did some more blood work. I go back in two weeks. He said he doesn't see anything now to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I thought that they said multiple tests are showing, but now there's nothing to worry about. Amen? And, and I'm going to be honest. I, when it comes to faith and it comes to healing and it comes to miracles, it, it's, I, there's no science. I don't, I don't get it, but I want to get my hands on it. I want to get my hands on that word of the Lord for that current moment. God, what are you doing right now? I don't want to miss it. And, and I'm just going to be bold enough to say, your pastor, 25 years into this, I still don't have all that figured out, you know? And we're just going to pray for everybody, amen? But I do believe that when God starts to single things out, let's be bold this summer, you know? And, and I don't know about you, if you remember in January, the Lord laid on this house the, the idea that it's a year of what? Acceleration. We have seen that in a lot of ways. And I believe this summer, the acceleration, I'm just going to say and declare it, the acceleration of miracles, I believe, is going to happen over this house in the next few months. I, I believe it with all my heart. And you get what you speak, you get what you preach for, and we're going to speak and preach to it. And I just believe that this summer, have an, expect, an expectation and an anticipation that it, it's not only possible, it's probable. Come on. That victory you're looking for is not only possible, it's probable. That healing is not only possible, it's probable. And so today we're looking at this, this I don't even know what week we're in. We're in the third week of the Ridiculous Tales of Faith series. And, and I don't know about you guys, I'm trying to demystify some of this, this thing of faith. A lot of times we look at faith like it's magic and it's not. And so the last couple of weeks we looked at ridiculous trust and we looked at ridiculous commitment last week. And this week, I'm not going to tell you exactly what we're going to look at just yet until we get there, okay? But when it comes to ridiculous faith, doesn't it appear in Scripture that ridiculous faith is often linked with bold declarations? Doesn't it appear that way, you know? 
And I believe that. And next week, I'm going to look at this idea of speaking the word of God and speaking life and that idea of positive, if you will, confession. We're not going to make it so mystical that it's God. There's, there's movements that treat confession almost like that's what they put their faith in. No, 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 no. I put my faith in the hands of the nail-scarred one, you know. I put my faith in the hands of Jesus. I don't, I don't put it in some ability for me to just conjure and get the right exact thing said. Because that's voodoo. <laughs> right? And doo-doo. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> you know. But there is something to it, and so we're going to teach it with some balance next Sunday. But before we get there, I, I want to look at some of this idea of this bold declaration just at, at first, and I want to put a caveat to it, because I, I think I see something in these bold declarations that's not just getting their confession right, their words right. There's something that's there that I think is a precursor. There's something that's there that I think is a healthy, it creates healthy balance when it comes to the idea of of faith. And so when we look at these bold declarations, last week we started with David and Goliath. We looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's go back to those a little bit, all right? Let's, let's throw up here on the screen David, 1 Samuel 17, 37. You understand the idea that David is on one mountain with the, the, the Israelite army and the Philistines are on the other mountain? And there in the valley is this idea, I told you last week, there's always a line that needs to be drawn in the sand when it comes to establishing faith. That line is that place of commitment that I'm not backing down. This is where I'm standing, you know. And David, young David, I love it, young David, he made that choice to go into that valley and to declare and defy that Philistine giant Goliath and to stand for the things of God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He's telling this to Saul, the king in this passage. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And I have a feeling deep in the inside of Saul, it was kind of like, boy, he better be. <laughs> you scrawny kid, you know. But he had had this experience with the bear and the lion. He knew that he could count on his God in that moment. And he just declared it, you know, that I will take care of this Philistine. And then he says it to the Philistine in verse 45 through 47. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. That's a bold declaration. When you're looking at a man that size with that much gear, you know, a bold declaration. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I'll give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may not know there is a God in Israel. I mean, that's like an ultimate smackdown. It's like yo mama. I mean, like to the nth degree, you know. He's laying it out. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves let me say it again, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves. That all this assembly will know that the Lord is still a deliverer. That the people of this assembly will know that the Lord is still one that brings victory. That the people of Momentum Church will know that the Lord is still the one that sets captives free. Still the one that heals marriages. Amen. That the people of this house will know that he is still on his throne. That's what the Lord is, that one that is high and lifted up, that the people of this house, and it says, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hand. I love it. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know? You cannot bow down. If you bow down and, and worship your God, we will throw you in a fiery furnace. And we see them stand up and defy. And they say to Nebuchadnezzar, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Do you see that? If the God we serve, our God, and he will deliver us out of your hand. These are extremely bold declarations of faith. And a lot of times when it comes to the idea of teaching on faith, the key gets into the idea of confession. Speaking those things that are not as though they are. It, it ties into guarding your mouth and the negativity on your lips. And I believe all those things are important. I do, but I think sometimes if we're not careful, our focus gets on that, what we can do, and not on what he can do. And it gets our focus on who is the Lord in our life, me or him. Guess what? You're not. That's why things are messed up sometimes. How many know some of the things we get into is our fault? We're not Lord. He's the Lord, you know. And so we've got to be careful when it comes to this idea that if I can just boldly declare. And, you know, as a young person in the faith, you know, 19, 20, 21, traveling, preaching, doing ministry. Man, I can remember a time where a man came to the altar and he was deaf. And I'm praying for him. I would preached up in the mountains of Marietta, south, um, um, uh, southern Ohio. And I would preached this revival and this guy was there. I didn't even n know him. And he never said anything, you know. And then I was asked to come down into the city and preach. I went down to Marietta and preached. And then that guy was there. And when I went to pray for him, I felt like the Lord said for me to tell him, if you'll come back up to the mountain tomorrow night, because we were going back up to this mountain church. When I say a mountain church, I mean that big right there. Brick building, an outhouse. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, a horse scared me to death at that place one time. Because the horse was right by the um, outhouse. And so, but, but this little mountain, but I, I I'm serious. <laughs> that was a quick bathroom experience. <laughs> but with that, um, I just felt led in that moment to tell this guy, if you'll come back up to that mountain house, that mountain church, I believe God's going to heal you. And I don't know why that came out of my mouth. I don't say those things very often, but a gift of faith rose up to speak it. And I declared it in that moment. So there's a bold declaration. That's pretty awesome. But then I was really afraid. And so all the next day, I'm fasting and praying, God, you got to heal this guy tonight because I'm going to look like a false prophet, and I'm only 20. I mean, I haven't even started this thing. You know what I'm saying? And um, long story short, he came up that night. They called him Bear because he was just a huge guy, and he got his healing that night. One of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And then all these years later, I go deaf, and I'm like, God, you healed Bear. Come on, Jesus. What a miracle this could be. And for whatever reason, I didn't receive my healing. So like a good Pentecostal, hey, Reinhard Bonnke is in this service. I'll get prayed for by him. If you don't know who that is, he's a, a German evangelist who has a lot of giftings when it comes to the idea of healing. He's just known for it. And I didn't get my miracle. Well, hey, you know, and different people would pray. And God just had a different plan. But I had bold declarations in both, you know. I bind and rebuked, hallelujah, in both. I spoke in the name of Jesus in both. And so with that, my mind goes, God, I don't, I don't get it. But God has wrought so much good out of this experience. God, I see you in both. 
And so I'm not at fault for having the bold declaration, but there's something more to the faith and to the confession of faith and to the miraculous than just getting what you want to get right now in this moment. Christine Batten, man, how many decades, a decade and a half ago, diagnosed with MS, you know, and the diagnosis still there, but oh my gosh, how many knows that was a fierce woman, amen? Fierce, 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 all the time except for July. She's not as fierce. She, Pastor, I'll do anything you need me to, but I'm not going outside in July. <laughs> she's on our board. She's amazing. But God has given her miracles in the midst of her thing. And for whatever reason, bold declaration, it's still there. But, man, God has just used that in her life. And, it, and you just see what she's coming through and how much victory she's had in spite of them going, well, it's still there. Well, yeah, but it doesn't control her, you know. Amazing, amazing. So all I'm saying with all that is there's got to be something more than just a bold declaration and receiving, you know. I, I want that, and we're going to talk about that next week, you know, a little bit of that. But there's got to be something more, you know. And here's what I think when I, when I look at these guys, both Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and David, and just all through those throughout Scripture, they filled their mouths with bold declarations, but those declarations flowed out of a place of connection and relationship and proximity with God, okay? So it wasn't just the bold declaration that gave them an edge. The bold declaration is a powerful, wonderful thing, but there was something else going on in these people's lives because back in the field somewhere, when it was just David and God, there was this relationship from the psalmist to his heavenly father that was beautiful. And that psalmist, that song singer got fierce and destroyed that lion when it was time to destroy that lion. And he got fierce under the unction and power of God and destroyed that bear when it was time to destroy that bear. I'm dinging all over the place up here. Hold on a second here. I'm not sure what all's. Hello, NASA. There we go. I think I have everything off now. You may not be able to hear it, but my bionic ear, I could hear it. All right, good. So... <laughs> So when it comes down to it, they filled their mouth with bold declarations, you know. But those declarations, they stemmed. They came out of that place of connection and relationship and proximity with God. David, later on, even amongst all his failures, he kept leaning into God. And he would cry out to God and have mercy upon me, God. Only you have I sinned against. And give me a contrite spirit. Break me, you know. Create in me a new heart. He just had this beautiful, even in the midst of his brokenness. He wasn't perfect. Let me say it that way. But amidst all that, he had this beautiful relationship with God, and it was become, it had become known of him that he was a man after, say after, God's own heart. I, I, I can see that sentence having the idea, a man that is after, like God's heart is here, and he flows after. He flows out of the expression of God's heart. But today, would you just give me a little poetic license? In my mind, I picture it as a man who is after God's heart. I hunger for you, God. I'm seeking you, God. I want proximity. Say proximity. I want proximity with you, God. I don't want to be distant. I don't want to be far off. And sometimes my sickness causes me to get bitter at God. And I want to be distant. And sometimes, because I feel broke, busted, and disgusted, you know, I, I get upset. Why, God, won't you do the miracle in my life? And I, I pull away from God, you know. Sometimes I feel messed up from the chest up, tore up from the floor up, beat up from the feet up. Come on, somebody. 
and I pull away. I just, and so that bold declaration is important, but it stems out of this proximity with God. And I think it flows into, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second, I think it flows into that proximity of God. I think that bold declaration is absolutely necessary because it helps us to stay drawn close to God in the face of what we're going through. And so we see David as a man after God's own heart. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Watch this. If this be so, our, say our God, whom we serve. It's our God. That's our God. Nobody else in this nation will serve that God but us and, and the other Israelites that are here. And we don't even care what the other, other Israelites are doing. If they bow, but that's our God. And we will serve him. There was some sort of proximity that they felt with God or that they chose to press into God with that gave them the ability to give a bold declaration. Isn't that cool? So that bold declaration is important. That confession of faith is very important. But it's not magic. It's not an incantation, you know. And so I want you to understand your faith needs to flow out of a place of proximity with God. And your issue you're going through is a gift. It's a blessing. And it's also a curse if you'll let it be. Watch this. No matter what you're going through, it can be viewed as something that allows you to be leaning up against the things of God. Or to get upset, bitter, and frustrated and lean away from the things of God. There's a poem I used to share in funerals, and I can't remember exactly how it was quoted, but it's the idea that, that the, the, the tumultuous sea, old tumultuous sea, let it cause me to be rested upon the heart of God. You know, oh, dark night, old oh, tumultuous sea. This idea, the storm you're going through, Lord, let it be something that leads me up to the heart of God. But often when we're going through things, we get bitter, and we get frustrated, and we get angry, and we get comparative, you know. Well, why won't you do it for me? You did it for them, you know. And we find it distancing ourselves from the things of God and the person of God. Watch this, the people of God. I can't tell you how often people go through stuff and they stop going to church. And you know, part of it I get, they're going to be happy singing. I don't want to be happy singing. Oh, I'm sorry, they, they call that praise. I'm just, but, but when you're upset and you're mad and you're going through something, it's not praise, it's happy singing. Am I being, I mean, am I, is that just me? Anybody ever feel that way? You know, it's like, I don't want a happy scene, you know? Can we do a, you know, like, if today we could have a whole experience where it's like, oh, we, oh, 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 I'd probably go to church for that. We need a dirge, you know? Can we have a dirge? That's just, a, everybody say dirge. That just sounds, you know, depressed, you know? It's just, oh, you know? But I don't want to hear a happy song, and so we distance ourselves, you know. Man, we're going through stuff. That's where the bold declaration should come. We're going through things. That's where that proximity to God should come. I'm not going to neglect the house of God. I'm going to be right here. I'm going through my things, but this is where I'm going to be right here, you know. I'm going to be here worshiping and, and, and loving on Jesus and leaning in on my family, and that's what I'm going to do, you know. But, but the enemy loves to get that proximity broken. He loves to get us pushing away from God and pushing away from the presence and the people of God. And so my question to you when it comes to this idea of faith flowing out of a place of proximity, are you in pursuit of God and the things of God? When it comes to your life, are you truly in pursuit of God and the things of God? I think a lot of times, and God is so good, that if you're not in pursuit of him, if you're not in proximity with him, and you go through something, he doesn't go, 
you know. He doesn't like block you. No, he, he opens his heart to you. Come to me if you're heavy laden and I will give you rest, you know. Are you burdened? I'm the burden lifter, the burden remover. He doesn't, he doesn't stonewall you because you haven't pursued him, you know. But I'll tell you right now, I see people who have pressed into the presence of God and they're in pursuit of God, in proximity and closest to God, and they go through stuff, they go through it a whole different way. They go through with that, that mindset, come hell or high water, I just can't, I can't what, where else do I go? I've seen him be too good. I can't run. I can't distance myself from him. I don't know why I'm not walking in my victory and my miracle, but, but God, you are faithful. And though my flesh be destroyed, you know, and they just continue to pursue the things of God. So I think that issues could be a, a good thing for us to go through. We go through some things and it checks us and allows us to lean in on the person of God. Sometimes we're not even having God in our minds at all. And we go through a crisis, and it causes us to draw close to him. Thank God for that, amen? That's a beautiful thing. But the enemy, I'm just going to be honest. Can you imagine? Oh, this is fun. Watch that enemy. Just imagine the devil over here like. He's going to fail. He's going to get mad. He's going to run away from the things of God. Here's this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, he's setting it up. And he knows that destruction can come. And he's all excited. He's just waiting for it. And this person going through it just can't help but be drawn to the things of God. You know? And they can't help but submit to God and resist the devil. And the devil flees. Because the, the devil has nothing on them. It's, it's just, it's, and whether I go into the grave because of my sickness, I'm resisting and I'm submitting and I'm pressing toward God, and he is defeated, period. But just imagine him. Ooh, make that wrong choice. Come on, my pretty. Come this way. Get bitter. Come this way. Feel isolated. Come this way. Don't speak the word. And that's where, as we get further into this, that's where we're going to see the word of God on our lips is so helpful. All right? We'll get to that here in a second. And so what happens, tales of ridiculous faith, we've told you, I believe, they come from ridiculous trust, and last week, ridiculous commitment. But I believe tales of ridiculous faith flow out of a place of ridiculous pursuit. Ridiculous pursuit. That proximity, that pressing in, that pushing into the things of God. I don't hardly ever see anyone that finds a miracle happening in their life happen when they're distant it's when they're pressing in. Now, hold on here. When I say that, listen, pursuit doesn't mean perfection. Because there may be somebody here today that you've never even heard a gospel message. You've never even heard that Jesus can heal, set free, touch your life today. And you may today, first time ever, take a step toward the altar and say, God, heal me. Touch me. Do a work in me. And God will meet you right there. I'm not talking that you have to be perfect and you have to build this long, lifelong relationship with God before he does something on your behalf. No, no. I mean, right in that moment, I'm pursuing. Right in that moment, I'm coming toward the things of God. God, right now, I want you more than I want anything. In that proximity, you're closing that gap. You're not running away, but you're coming toward the things of God. One of the quintessential stories of faith in Scripture, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. And normally I have you stand up. We haven't done that today. I'm going to have you do it. Just to honor God's word. I usually do it earlier in the sermon, but we were doing other stuff. So if you would, just 
as we look at this scripture, this is the quintessential story of faith in scripture. It's the woman with the issue of blood. And she is a woman who would have by all circumstances be known as one that's unclean, not perfect, not able to go into the, sanct- to the, to the temple, not able to fellowship with others because of her uncleanness. And so she would have been looked down upon, scorned, disdained. She would have felt isolated. And it says that she was sick for 12 years. So this is a long, long thing that she's going through. And there's a press of people that are all around Jesus, getting their, their, their wanting to be touched, wanting to have a miracle. And she's pushing through the crowd. And so you'll see it says in verse 20, And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Now, she came up. Let me say it again. She came up. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. She drew close to him. Let's say she drew close. She drew close. And she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Now, here's the thing. You can have your seat. This story, as we celebrate it throughout the ages, it's always been something where we really focus in, and I've done it, I focus in on her confession. And in the Greek, when it says there that she was saying to herself, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole, it's actually a a repetitive thing. It's not that she said it once. In the Greek, the tense is saying she said it, and she said it again. And so as she's pushing through the crowd, she's saying, if I can just touch him. I know I'll be made whole. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get a hold of Jesus, if I can just get to Jesus, I know I'll be made well. And throughout our time, especially since Word of Faith and faith teaching has been around for the last probably 50, 60 years, you know, with that, it's always been the focus on the confession. You know, she was declaring a bold declaration. And because she was declaring a bold declaration, God honored her faith and healed her. But I think we missed something. Okay, before the bold declaration, I love this, she understood what the declaration was. It wasn't just that she's declaring it. She's saying, if I can touch Jesus, I'll be made whole. It's not just that she's declaring a bold declaration of faith and something mystical for her miracle. No, no, if I can get a hold of the man, then I will find my miracle. And can I tell you right now? I found my miracle, but it wasn't what I thought, but it was every bit a part of this. When I got a hold of Jesus and I let go of my bitterness, when I got a hold of Jesus and I let go of my, my and I told you a few weeks ago, I felt like I was just a punk. God, me, why, why not me? Why can't I walk in blessing? You know, When I got a hold of him and let all that go, the last four years, we can't get away from miracles. The last four years, we can't get away from the blessings of God. This house, man, these people, you, you're a miracle of God to me. You can't know. You're an answer of prayer to, of prayer to me. And all that stuff we went through, God has used it. But I didn't see it in the moment. And there were seasons, and you know it, nobles. I was your pastor. There were seasons I distanced my heart from God because I was angry with God. And my, the people that have been here for years, thank you for allowing me to be shaped to be your pastor, you know. Because at 32, when I came here, I was a punk. 
that all I ever saw was the blessings of God and never saw any hardship. And when the hardship came, I didn't have the spiritual bandwidth to know how to handle it. So I got mad and angry and distant. And then Amy got mad at me and angry and distant. <laughs> no, yeah, kind of. Because I was bitter and ugly. And man, thank God, you know, four or five years ago, the Lord just started shaping. Well, I guess it's about five and a half, six years ago now. The Lord started shaping me through those dark years and showing me that his hand was faithful all along. I needed those dark years. And it didn't matter the bold declaration that I had. I needed the proximity. I needed to draw close to God. And upon drawing close to God, I started getting healed here before I ever started walking in the physical blessings of God, before I ever got financially restored, you know. I don't think I ever told you guys this. It, you guys remember how bad it was with our finances? And we were faithful. We were careful. We, we watched, mind, you had to mind your P's and Q's when that's all you had was P's and Q's. We didn't have the rest of the alphabet. We just had P's and Q's. That's how broke we were. <laughs> I just made that up. That's funny. <laughs> Guys, years ago, I had a guy come up to me and say, what kind of debt do you have? Well, we don't have debt. No, no, I feel like God told me you have debt. I don't think I've ever shared this story. And, well, we had a $10,000 medical bill that we've got down to $2,500. Okay, well, that's debt, you know. You don't have anything else? Well, I mean, I got $15,000 left in my college note, you know. Okay. Two weeks later, that person handed me an $18,000 check. There's broke people going, Lord. <laughs> I'm serious. A decade of going, God, I don't know how in the world I'm going to ever take care of this as we're planning this church, you know. And it's just a burden of that, you know. And we had deferred and deferred and deferred. And wouldn't you know it, that happened about a couple weeks before it was finally said by the college loan people, we ain't deferring no more. You're going to start paying this back. And our monthly budget at the time, there was no way we could pay that back, you know. It's just where the finances were. I've never shared that story, you know. Oh, my gosh. I called the person. I said, dude, this is $18,000. There was only $17,500 need. And he goes, when somebody gives you that kind of money, it's time to party. <laughs> he goes, that extra $500 is party money. <laughs> that cracked me up, you know. I, so I, I don't know why that's not in the notes. But all I'm saying is, man, it wasn't until healing came that the blessings started coming. And it's because the miracle wasn't that college debt was going to get taken care of in one fell swoop. The miracle was that my heart had come close to God again in the midst of my bitterness, you know. That's the miracle. And I'm really glad my college debt got paid for. Amen. Amen. But that's not the miracle, you know. And so this woman with the issue of blood, if I can just touch. So she had this confession, but often when faith is taught, the woman's story is celebrated because she got her confession right. No, if we're not caref careful, that'll make us think faith is about magic and faith is about incantations. And if I can just speak the right words, the right time, it, or enough. Next week I'm going to share a story about declaring the word in a woman that I knew. I'll share it next week. But just, just she just was so worried she wouldn't have enough of the word in her mouth. And I'll share that story next week. So listen, we shouldn't celebrate her, this woman, because she got her confession right. No, she got her posture and proximity right. If I can but touch the hem of his garment. You can't touch the hem of something unless you're bowed down and kneeled. And I don't know about you guys, but when I went through my stuff, Ross Wiseman needed to be bowed down and needed to kneel before his Lord. 
because I created a false Lord in my 20s that if I named and claimed and blabbed and grabbed and called and hauled, I got my stuff. And I got to live in the fog, the favor of God, and celebrate the favor of God. And Man, and I saw my spiritual bandwidth when it was finally challenged, how narrow it really was. And I had to get down before the Lord, and you are the Lord. God all by yourself, whether there's one thing I ever walk in or not. And I can remember Amy and I having a conversation a handful of years ago. How much longer can we go like this? And the thought was, how can we quit? How can we stop doing what God's called us to do, you know? And we just got close and knelt down before the Lord spiritually, emotionally. See, she was reaching for that hem of the garment. The word of God in your mouth. Listen, this is something the Lord gave me. I love this. The word of God in your mouth is more about drawing you and keeping you close to the heart of God than it is about being able to have a perfect confession. That woman was imperfect, but she just needed to get to Jesus. And every time she said, if I could just touch him, it drew her closer. If I can just touch him. And so we may declare a word. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The enemy's up here. Come on my way. Come on my way. Oh, I feel that draw. I'm bitter. I'm mad. But you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not so much just the power of the confession. The power of the confession is that it draws us to the heart of God. Because the word of God is God. It's his expression. And so when I fill my mouth with the word of the Lord, I'm not doing some incantation. I'm not doing some magic mojo. No, no, I'm just aligning my heart to the heart of God. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. Isn't that cool? And I'm drawing myself. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. So the word of God, it is more about drawing us close. Because look, look, even when you have doubts, remember it's not about perfection. Even when you have doubts... And you still declare that bold declaration. It's okay. Because your heart's drawn close to God. Watch. Daniel 3, 17 through 18. Remember those Hebrew children? Well, they said, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. That's kind of like, my God. I'm speaking that boldly. He's going to deliver me, O king, you dirty rascal in the name of Jesus I'm getting my miracle you know it's kind of like that kind of mentality but watch I love it but if not eh, I'm just being honest do you see it there I know my God bold declaration I know my God he's our God and we serve him and there's this connection we have and I know he's going to deliver me O king eh, but if not be it known to you O king that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up did they have perfect confession? Because it's taught in the faith movement that if you can't believe wholeheartedly, completely, fully, you're not going to get your miracle. So if you're not getting your miracle, then something's wrong with your confession. It's just not perfect enough. They, no. That's my God, and we know God's going to get us out. But if not, I'm still going to follow him. King, I'm not going back down. I know there's a reason. I don't understand it, but that's my God that I serve, and I will not back down. It was the idea that their trust was established. I want that kind of trust. Their commitment was laid out there like last week. I want that kind of commitment. And so it's that word when you're going through it, that bold declaration, I believe, that allows you to pursue God in the midst of your need of a miracle and not be drawn away into depression, bitterness, and isolation. It's that word that keeps you finding the fruit of your faith while facing life's 
frustration. So yeah, feel your heart. And next week we're going to talk about the physics of faith in regards to speaking the word of God in your life. Feel your heart. Feel. Sometimes my hillbilly comes out. Feel your heart. Feel. Feel your heart. I'm sorry. Fill your heart with the word of God. Speak the word of God. We're going to talk about that next week. But I just, I, I, I'm so fearful in teaching faith that it almost comes across, will come across like teaching you some mojo, some voodoo, some incantation. And so I wanted to set some tone this week before we get into next week. Because declaring the word of God isn't an incantation. Listen, it's a choice to remain in pursuit of God in the face of a situation. Is that good? That's what it is. And so, yes, keep the word on your lips. Keep the word in your heart. We'll tell you how to do that next week, okay? But don't look at that as I'm trying to get perfect and get this confession just perfect. And, and, and No, that's not what it is. It's every time I meditate on that word, I don't go to the left and I don't go to the right. And every time I meditate on that word day and night, I take courage like it was said to Joshua. And then I make my way successful. That was the promise over Joshua. It's a promise over us. But it wasn't that doing that create. No, no, it draws you close to the presence of God. And isn't it a miracle that the God of creation wants you to come close to him? Man. So the word in your mouth drawing you and keeping you close to the heart of God, that's what's important. It's not about perfection. It's about proximity. It's about proximity. And I really do think that through the years, I've kind of been a little standoffish on ministering healing. I pray, but, you know, I, I just, I know, it's just that mindset. I can't be perfect enough to, to minister healing, to expect God to do signs and wonders. No, no, I think it's about proximity. It's about drawing in. And in that proximity, God starts to perfect. Yes, he does. I want you to know God doesn't need you to get perfect today. He just wants you pressing towards him. Amen. So this morning as an act of faith, I just want you to do something. If there's something that you really do have a miracle need of, something that you need God to intervene with, with boldness, would you as an act of faith press your hands in the air? Just both hands. God, that's me. It's me. I need something from you, Jesus. Amen. Jesus, you see these hands raised to you? We do, we boldly declare your word over our lives. But Lord, these hands pressed towards you are a sign and a symbol that our hearts this week and our meditation this week will be in pursuit of your presence. We'll be in drawing close to you as we declare that bold declaration and because we declare that bold declaration. So we have confidence to know and with great expectation we get our hands on the unexpected right now in the name of Jesus. Wrap your hands around. Close your hands if you will. We grabbed the reins of that horse yesterday. It was about all we could handle. Just close your hands. God, you see these hands closed around by faith. What they're expecting for. God, would you let them get a hold of the unexpected? And the next week, God, would you surprise them? And even next Sunday, I'm praying that we'll have testimonies. This week, by faith, Begin to write testimonies to us. As God starts to do things in your life, let us know. We're going to share some of those next week. Amen? Because I believe God is going to take our desire to grab a hold of the unexpected. And he's going to show us exactly what he's expecting. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www 
www.momentumchurch.tv.